Well, it's good to be back. I know we're, for those who've just been Sunday, it's like we're back, but we've actually been in church Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday. So I feel like we're well and truly back because we've been here all this is our fifth day in church so we're catching up for the six weeks we've been gone but we had an awesome time doing uh, uh, level two it was an awesome and we had a impact meeting on Wednesday night and we had a close to 30 people turn up so that was good considering it was state of origin so some people aren't that anyway I'm not going to go there but <laughs> it's good yeah, Greg taped it. But anyway, it's got, I just want to share t- today, you know, along even what Greg was talking about and part of, you know, being in the US and some things. We went to um, a conference there as well. But in what the Lord is doing in this season and, and not back to, you know, we've been warring for a lot of things. Um, the, the forever keepers and the prayer teams here have really been doing some strategic things. But also knowing this is a season right now where we need to be not distracted. Come on. It's a season where God's shifting dramatically right now. God is shifting some things very dramatically right now. And you don't want to be playing catch up. You don't want to be left behind. There's new things that the Lord is doing. There's a new level that the Lord is releasing. See, the enemy, as Greg was talking about, is raising up more attacks and different things because he knows when you see that it can seem like a negative, but you know what? There's a greater thing that God's doing right now. God is releasing something new, something fresh. And you know, one of the things is um, we felt in the season talking about is a, a recalibration. And to recalibrate means to change the way you think about something, make a small adjustment, moving into a new season of high. When you move to a higher level, it needs an adjustment. Um, I believe there's adjustment as we're talking about in our prayer life, in our hearing the voice of God, in getting strategies for this season. Now, when we look at Esther, she was not doing anything wrong, but she had to go through a huge adjustment to move into a higher level. Come on. She had to change the way she talked, the way she dressed, because she was moving into a greater level. And one of the things in, in this season, when we're at the CI conference, we're talking about, we all know about Ezekiel 37, where it talks about to prophesy to the dry dead bones. And this is what it says, Ezekiel 37 verse 4. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now we know that that's talking about the people in the church and they're being dry and he's prophesying to them. And it says this, thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh come upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Now, this is the interesting season. What we feel like, and Dr. Bill Hammond and all the Dutch sheets and what happened at the conference that we were at is that we feel like as a prophetic and knowing that Bishop Hammond, he's been in the prophetic uh, 60 years, he's considered throughout the word, the world, a father of the prophetic. And so it was fitting for this word to come to this conference in this season. And, and what it was that this season, what we feel like is that we've, 
prophesied to the bones. Come on, we've been prophesying, we've been hearing a bit of noise, we've seen a bit of rattling, we've seen a bit of growth, some things happen. But now there's a higher level. Come on, there's a higher level that the Lord is releasing. And this is what it says here. It says in verse 9, also he said, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath. Pastor Brad was talking about earlier. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesy as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, and an exceedingly great army. Come on. So what it is, is now what we believe, what the Lord is releasing, is a power to speak life. Come on. The very breath of God to speak life into situation, to bring dead things back to life. Come on. Now it's a greater love. That's why there's such an urgency where one of the words that Greg had this year was God was shaking. Everything that could be shaken would be shaken. I'm like, that's not a good word. I don't like that word. Haven't we been through enough? But as if we've worked out, when he's told me, I'm like, you can't say it's not a good word. I don't want to hear that word. It's like, come on, people need to have. But as we've walked it out with people and in our own life this season, what we realize is that it's shaking off anything that's not of God. Come on. Anything in our life that we have built, that man's built, God has shaken off so that only he remains. Because of this next level where we begin to hear the voice of God, it's a higher level of hearing the Lord like never before. Come on. It's a higher level of prophecy where you're speaking life. And as we received it, it was incredible. We received it and start walking. We've seen things change. We're in a meeting. The very See, what happens is when you hear something, what is everything? Hearing comes by the word. And then there's the faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to have that faith to implement. So we heard it. We went out. We got prayed for. We received it. And then we operated. And we're like, we're moving in a higher level now. And so the very next meeting, we were at a meeting and we had some people come out for praying of baptism of the Holy Spirit. While we were still praying for this man, he starts speaking in tongues. Come on. And that's, you know, a lot of the time when you're trying to get people to speak in tongues, you've got to work with them. Come on. You pray for the baptism and then you've got to work with them and encourage them and break off fear and tell them to bypass their head. But it was instant. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. We're seeing things shift because I'm understanding now we've received a higher level. Come on. It's not just, it's for the body. Whoever grabs hold of it, if you grab hold of what God's, that's why there's such an intensity about praying, about being, see, as a whole, as a church, I believe we've been lazy. As a church, come on. It's so, the way the church is run now is, oh, you know, we don't want people out too much and we don't, and yes, we respect that and stuff like that. But I want to tell you, I grew up in a church and we were out three nights a week. (laughs) Sunday night, we had training on Tuesday nights and then we had Thursday nights. And we were at church Sunday morning and Sunday night. We went to church. We didn't want to miss church. Come on. We grew up in the house of God. Our children from babies were in services for three hours. No kids church, nothing to entertain them, no screens. Come on. No screen. They sat on the floor. They had rugs, they had blankets, they had books, they had things to do. But I want to tell you, I see that there's been a loss of this desperation and this pursuit. It's almost like, well, we've got to do this and, well, we need to... Con-. Now, I'm not saying that there's a balance as well, but there's almost a thing now. Well, let's not have people too committed. Come on. Let's not have people... Well, I want to tell you, if you want to live a powerful life for the Lord, it's busy. 
Come on, it's busy. If you want to be, if you've got a desire to impact the world, to change things and do things to God, it is busy. We're busy. Get off the plane. Now it's like it's incredible. Next week we're going to Emerald. We get home one day. We get home at four and we leave at 10 o'clock the next day. And then we're in Korea for a jam-packed schedule for 10 days. Come on. Then we got home from America. We're here doing a training course. And it's like, you know what, with the cleaning, if I could be here every week and clean, I would do it. Because my honor is attached to this house. To the house of God. I love the house of God. I love it. And to me, it's like if things are dirty, to me, I feel like that's not good to me because it's like I don't want people to come in and see that it's dirty or that it's not. So it's never because my, and see, when I do things to me, I'm doing it unto the Lord. It makes me happy to clean. I'm doing this for God. Lord, if Jesus walked in the door and, well, he wouldn't be using our bathrooms because. <laughs> He knows who he is, okay? He, he's a male. <laughs> Let's just get that all settled. When you're pulled out, there's no doubt about, wow, is this a boy or a girl? No, it's a mask. Interesting, we've been talking about this recently. When you're born, the doctor pulls the baby out and it's not, well, let's think, is it a boy, is it a girl? No, no, they know what, what it is. And the interesting thing as we talked about this is that do you know what? People can change their outside, go from a boy to a girl, but if they died tomorrow and were found somewhere, their DNA would come back as who the Creator made them. Come on, you cannot change your DNA. No one can change their DNA. Anyway, that's a side thing. But for me, come on, my, my honour and everything is to, I love the Lord with all my heart. And nothing is, nothing to me is, it's a joy to do. It's a joy to, to have the toilets not smelling. We have a problem. It's a joy to, you know, to me to walk into a kitchen and it's filthy and stuff's everywhere. That to me is like, well, I'm not, well, whose job is it? I can do it. i got an hour. I'll get in and clean it. Come on. That's how, because when you love the Lord and understanding now where the Lord is taking us, when you have that whole commitment, see, my life is nothing else. And everything else I have, God gives me because of my commitment, my honor, and my love to him. Come on. That's how it works. That's how it happens. Everything, people say, well, you're blessed. Your family's blessed. You've been blessed. You get to do this. Yes, because I honor God. He's number one in my life. And it's a principle of the Bible. When you say you put God first, and if you're, like I said, if you want to be, you've got dreams to do anything, look at Pastor Brad and Sarah, all that they do. He's got, he had a dream to be a businessman. Do they want to be pastors? But their life's busy. Come on. It takes a lot to, to do it. There's no, you can't be lazy when you're doing things for the Lord. You can't, you've got to have that, my commitment and my, and see to me, my children grew up in the house of God and they're still in the house of God. Come on, they love the house of God. It's the same as many heard me say for Zara. She stayed over last night and I will tell her, yay, Zara, it's Sunday, best day of the week. Come on, we get to go to the house of the Lord. When we buy her a new little dress, she's so excited. She's jumping up and down, yay, church. She, so she's asking me at six o'clock, can we go to church? I'm like, no, church, no one's at church now. It's too early. Mr. Sun's, Mr. Sun's not even 
even now. Papa's asleep. We can't go to church yet. But see, when you, when your children see that, see, they will see that you have a love. It's not a put on thing. Come on. We love the Lord. Everything, my life, the why I exist, why we exist is because of him. Come on. You can say that, but if your actions don't speak it out, come on. I don't exist when I wasn't in ministry. I don't exist because of my job. Come on. My job isn't the most important thing to me. Number one is God. Number two, come on, then becomes your family. You have an order, a balance, everything. But we put our emphasis on the house of God. And I see what's happened. What I then see, what's happened with the people of God. I see the difference from when we were growing up and in the church, the house of God, how people's lives are lived, the problems they're having, the problems their kids are having, financially, marriages, everything. But when we grew up, you know what? Most of the people that I did children's church with are top leaders today in their fields, in business, in in churches, in ministries, in all types of area. People that were committed to the house of God and their children are still committed to the house of God. When you've got, come on, that's what we were born for. For the kingdom, for God, not for everything else. And you know what? When you work through the stuff, when you get that desperation, when you see, you've got to understand the devil's constantly fighting you from the day in the garden. Come on. He fought them. He fought Eve right from the beginning. He fought God. That's why he fell. He thought he could be better than God. Come on. He thought he would be greater. And then he fought even continually through Jesus. He said, come on, if you worship me, if you do this, he constantly. And so constantly you're going to have that. But when you've got that, your life doesn't have that peace. When you walk with the Lord, when you've got that desperate pursuit for him, come on, even if you're in a storm, you will have peace. Come on, you will have a peace. And there's just that thing of knowing where you're with me, Lord. It doesn't matter what happens. You're with me. It's a whole new season. Come on. You don't want to miss out on this. You want to move into it because I believe in this season, some will get it and some won't. But it depends on your hunger, your desperation. Are you desperate for God? Come on. Have you got that passion to be in his presence? I was thinking about even back to early days. Come on. When you first met the Lord, you just want to be with him all the time. What what happens? How do we lose that hunger and that where everything else becomes more important when we get so busy. You know, there is nothing like in the presence of God. Come on, when you sit and take the time and you feel him there, when you can sense him, when he speaks something, when he brings a revelation, there's nothing can compare to that. Everything else that's going on in your life just melts away. Come on, and see, that's what it says, in the presence of the Lord, it's like... The hills melt or something like wax. Yeah, come on. That's what it is. That's what he's saying. When you're in his presence, you can be going through turmoil. You can be worried about everything. But I want to tell you, when you come into his presence and you feel him and you sense him and he brings that peace over you, it's like you can conquer anything. But see, a lot of us, we don't live in that. We're in and out of it all the time. We're in it one minute, then we're out of it. And as we're sharing even the course on the weekend, you know, there's an old Indian proverb. And it's like this little kid, not the Pakistani Indians, the American Indians, okay? And the little, the Indian Indians, yeah. And the little boy, just clarifying, the, the little boy asks his dad, blonde moment, but that's all right. Just making sure you know what I'm talking about. Or I know what I'm talking about. There's a little boy and he asks his dad, 
He says to his dad, uh, the, the granddad says to him, he says, you know, son, there's a war that goes on inside you continually. There's two dogs warring in you continually. And the little boy says to granddad, which dog wins? And the granddad says, the one you feed the most. Come on, the one you feed the most. So if you're constantly battling against the flesh, I suggest that you're feeding the flesh more than you're feeding the spirit. Come on, we've got to grow the spirit man. You've got to keep that spirit man. So once you begin to grow the spirit man, when you become strong in the spiritual things, things that once bothered you will not bother you anymore. Come on, you could be amongst the storm, but it will not bother you because you know that the Lord's with you. You know, I was looking even at the eagles. You know, when the eagles, during a storm, they get excited. Isn't that amazing how an eagle gets excited during a storm? You know why they get excited? Because they, in, when the storm comes, it's a thing that lifts the eagle higher. Come on, it lifts him higher and then he's able to, um, when the clouds gather, the eagles get excited. The eagle uses the storm wind to lift him higher. As says, once he finds the wing of the storm, the eagle uses the raging storm to lift him above the clouds. This gives the eagle an opportunity to glide and rest its wings. And the other interesting thing about the eagle is when an eagle grows old, his feathers become weak and cannot take him as fast as he used to. So when he feels weak and about to die, he retires to a place far away in the rocks. While there he plucks out every feather on his body until he's completely bare. He stays in the hiding place until he's grown new feathers and then he can come out. No, it's pretty amazing. Come on. And I believe even that season, God's plucking out our feathers. Come on. He's plucking out those things that are not of him. Come on. He's getting you ready with this new level and this new season. He's getting us ready to soar to whole new places. Come on. He's getting us ready for the supernatural. It says that that the signs, wonders and miracles will follow those who believe. What I've generally found is that a lot of us are just following the miracles. Come on. We're following miracles here. We're going over here. We're going over there. When the Bible says signs, wonders, and miracles will follow who? Those who believe. Come on, if you're a believer in here, if you're not, we can fix that. But if you're a believer in here, then signs, wonders, and miracles should be following you everywhere you go. Come on, everywhere you go, you encounter people. You bring life to them, understanding about this new breath of God, that you speak to somebody and you bring life. You have a conversation with somebody and God shows you what to say. You bring healing to them. Come on, we don't, as we taught in the courts yesterday, we don't have to be giving all our Bible back our Christianese, but we just hear the voice of God. Sometimes it's just loving somebody. It's just encouraging somebody and saying, you know what? I know inside of me, it's going to be okay. Or you see someone struggling, you know, you can say, it's going to be okay. It, tomorrow is another day. Come on, you're strong. You can do, this is the life, but understanding it's not your voice. You have a power in you that brings life to people. Come on, it brings life. It's not just you and this is this new level. It's the breath of God. Come on. We have the breath of God in us. We have the voice of God in us. So now when you're speaking to people, you're actually speaking the breath of God. Come on. Life giving, life giving. Everybody that you're around who's going through stuff, you have the answers inside of you. Not because you're smart or whatever, because you have the living God inside you. You have that breath of him inside you. 
Come on, it's a season where we really have to cultivate that. Get back to our first love. What is there without it? Come on, get back to that first love. It's a heart-to-heart thing. Beating heart to heart with the Lord. Come on, getting into his presence, heart to heart, not just a whimsical run on the way. Come on, God wants us to build. He wants to indwell. He doesn't want a little holiday shack. He doesn't want a weekend vacation spot. You know, a lot of us just come to church on Sunday for our little vacation day with the Lord. Come on, Sunday, we visit him. And then the rest of the week, we don't. God wants to have indwelling living. He wants you to build a place that he lives, not a holiday shack, not a weekend getaway. You know, weekend getaways are normally where you go, you feel good, you feel refreshed. Come on, church isn't, yes, you feel good and you feel fresh, but come on, we're not just coming to visit God on Sundays. Come on, he wants to live inside you. He wants to work inside you. He wants to help the situations that you're in. He wants you to help other people. He wants you to bring life. You know, a lot of the time in situations that we go into, I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do. I haven't got a clue what I'm going to say. Sometimes we end up in tricky. I'm like, oh, my God. It even seems too big for God. That's what I'm actually saying. Oh, my God. It actually seems too big. But I want to tell you, when you get in there and you just pray and you listen to the voice of God, you're shocked when you come out because you're like, only God could do that. Come on. He knows the person. He knows what they're going through. Ezekiel 33, 11. You know, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. And this was Moses. It says this. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, then don't send us up from here. See, I believe we have to get back to that cry in our life that unless the presence of God goes with me every day, come on, unless the presence of God is with me every place I go, every, then I don't want to go. I don't want to go into a job, into a business, I don't want to go into a relationship. I don't want to go into a church. I don't want to go into a place unless God is with me. Come on, that was Moses' cry. He understood it. And this is what he says. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Come on, this is a getting out of our own struggles. See, as man, we've become so smart. We're pretty clever. You know, and sometimes when you've been doing things a long time, it's the same as prophesying. It's the same as preaching, as being a Christian. When you've do, been doing it a long time, we think we're pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know this and hey, yeah, I know that. Come on, we think we are, but unless God goes with us every day. Come on, what is, and he goes on and he says this, what else will distinguish us? What will distinguish us, me and your people, from all the other people on the face of the earth? See, what's going to distinguish you from all the other people in your workplace? What's going to distinguish you in your family? What's going to distinguish us amongst all other religions in the earth unless God is with us? Come on, unless that power is with us. See, Moses got it. He had face-to-face encounters. And verse 17, the Lord says to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Come on, how awesome is that? That should be our greatest desire, that the Lord is pleased with us and that he knows us by name. You know, does God know you by name? Are you someone that when you come into his presence, he knows because it's a well-worn path? Or is it like he says to Jesus, oh my gosh, who's that? Who's that one coming? 
Oh, yeah, you know, that's so... I haven't seen them for a while. (laughs) Wonder what's wrong. They got no money. Is someone dying? Come on. (laughs) No, we want to be someone who the Lord knows. Come on. He knows us. He knows our name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Come on. When we know God by name, when he's pleased with us, come on, his goodness will pass in front of you and I'll proclaim my name in the Lord, your presence. I'll have mercy on whom you will have mercy and I'll have compassion on who you have compassion on. See, Moses had God's power. And sometimes you look at people and think, wow, their life's so blessed and they're doing so well. Well, I want to say is a lot of the time it's because God's goodness has passed in front of them because there's someone who he knows by name. There's someone who has sought the Lord and there's a distinguishing mark because God's goodness. See, God's goodness goes before you. His favor goes before you, but he's got to know you by name. Come on. When Moses went to commune with God on the mountain, he left the crowds at the foothills. Come on, he left the crowds at the foothills. And it's interesting, even when Moses went to the tent of meeting, it's like Moses would go into that place and all the others would just stand and peer out their tent. Come on, but Joshua... Joshua was someone who was different. Come on, he would go and he'd wait outside that place. And even when Moses went back, Joshua was still there. Well, who, what did Joshua go on to do? He became a great leader. He took God's people over into the promises. But all the rest, I thought about them. They're just peering out their tents. Oh, there goes Moses to meet with the Lord. They could have gone as well, but they didn't want to. Come on, they just wanted to stand. It's like today, if you want the things of God, you've got to push in. Come on, you've got to push. But I guarantee you, money back guarantee. Come on, and you'll get more and more if you'll just push in. And you've got to understand, like Greg was saying, the devil's puffing up his chest. He doesn't want you to get that territory. He doesn't want you to walk in that place with the Lord. He doesn't want you to have that intimacy because he knows when you get to that place, you will never turn back because you realize there is nothing else. Come on. Deuteronomy 4.29 says this, but from here you will seek the Lord your God and you'll find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Come on, when we seek God, it's a promise we will find him. We will find him when you seek him with all your heart. He says that, you know, God is wanting that heart-to-heart relationship. 1 Samuel verse 16 says this, So it was when they came that they looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at outward appearance but God looks at the heart come on he looks at the heart what's our heart about do we love him have we got that heart-to-heart pursuit after him come on are you hungry for him do you want this new level of God he's saying now he's there's warnings he's telling her don't be distracted seek me like never before I'm pouring out a new anointing I'm pouring out greater things come on a lot of you are at the verge of your next great breakthrough I love you at the verge of the next great thing but you know what often before a great thing 
there's a great battle before a victory. Come on. You've got to keep going in the battle. You've got to keep pushing through. Come on. Don't give up. You haven't come this far to give up. You know what? And it doesn't matter if you have been someone who's been far away from God. You can change it from today. Come on. You can jump in now and say, I'm hungry for God. I'm hungry for his presence. You know what? I might have missed it here. I might have gone a bit cold here. I might have lost it here. But I tell you what, I ain't missing this next move. Come on. You can jump in on it. The breath of God. Come on, so amazing. I want to tell you, for me, there's nothing like bringing life to people. Come on, bringing a word from God, bringing a word of wisdom, praying for somebody, just speaking to strangers and know that you're bringing the breath of God. You're bringing encouragement to them. You're bringing life to them. Come on, you're turning their life around. You may never see them again, but you have a power of God inside you. Come on, you've got that inside you, the living. God, the Holy Spirit. He dwells on you. That's why Jesus said way back in the book of Acts, come on, well, before he died, he said to the disciples, he goes, listen, guys, I have to go. See, they wanted Jesus to say, but he says, I got to go. He says, but I'm going to leave you something greater. I'm going to leave you a power. And then he dies and he realizes, you know, they've got a bit discouraged because there was the multitudes that followed him everywhere. But in the upper room, There was only 120 that remained. What happened to the multitudes? See, they were disappointed. It didn't quite turn out how they thought. They were looking to Jesus to be everything, and he was, but it wasn't how their mind worked at all. And see, that's what happens in life. You believe in God, you're pressing in, and it doesn't happen how, this is what happens with a lot of Christians. It doesn't happen how they think it would or how it should have. And then they disperse and go about and do their own thing. But Jesus said, wait for the promise. And then when he come back, when he rose again, he told them, he said, you will be endured with power on high. And just sharing, some of you, a lot of you may have heard me even talk about this. The classic example is with Peter. We know that with Peter in the Bible, what happens is Jesus, you know, Peter declares his undying love for Jesus. Jesus, I love you so much. And then Jesus says to Peter, you will deny me three times. Now think about that. Even just in this setting, let's say, you know, someone jumps up this morning and comes out the front. Jesus, I love you, God. I love you. I want to serve you with all my life. And even if Pastor Brad said, oh, you're going to fail three times. How would you feel? Even in this setting. But imagine Jesus. Come on. Peter's just declared his undying love for Jesus. And he says, you'll deny me three times. You know, it puzzled me. Why would Jesus do that? There's got to be a reason he doesn't do that without reason. So, but then what happens is over in Acts, come on, when they get filled with the Holy Spirit, the first person it says, but Peter standing up with boldness. Come on. He addresses the authorities. He addresses is the people that persecuted, that crucified Jesus. Now, this is 50 days later after he denies Christ. Come on, a little servant girl says he was with them and Peter denies Christ. Come on, he couldn't do it at the point of maybe him getting killed. He didn't have enough in him to do it. But then what happens after he receives the Holy Spirit and power? He stands up. This is a no little servant girl. This is 
his authorities that could persecute him, that could crucify him. But now he's got a boldness like never before. You see, that's why Jesus did the whole demonstration because Peter, in his natural self, he was scared. He was afraid. His heart said, I love you, Jesus. I will go to the end of the earth. But in his natural ability, when it comes to the point of a gun or something at his head, he couldn't do it. But now, 50 days later, he's got boldness. He's got authority. He's got an anointing. Come on, what's the difference? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. That's what God was talking about. That's what Jesus was talking about. You need this power. See, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, what? It dwells in, it doesn't say in fivefold ministers. It says it dwells in who? You. Come on, it dwells in you, that same power that was able to take Jesus from a place of death. It dwells inside of you. You have the breath of God. You have the life of God in you. What are you doing with it? Come on, what are you doing with it? Are you using it? Are you you asking for opportunity? Are you getting out there? Come on. Are you giving that undying love? God, you're my everything. But you know what? That gives a demonstration in the natural. As our natural selves like Peter, we will fail. My analogy is always Clark Kent and Superman. Clara Kent and Superwoman. Clark Kent is, as Clark Kent, he's a bumbling, bumps into things. He's got no confidence, can't even tell Lois that he likes him. He's lacking pretty much everything. Come on. He might have been a bit good looking, well, depending which version you watch. But anyway, he, he, he kind of, he's lacking everything. He's got no confidence. He's always late on the job. He, he's lacking everything. But I want to tell you, when he gets that Superman suit on, everyone wants him. Everyone wants to be around him. He can leap buildings in a single bound. Come on, he can punch out any enemy. He can do anything. See, God show me that's like us. Peter, in his natural self, was was like a Clark Kent, but when he received the power of God, now he can stand up. He's not afraid of death. He's not afraid what man could do. See, that's what lives in you. Come on, that's inside every single one of us. But you've got to work it. The Bible says that he can do exceedingly abundantly according to the power that works in you. You've got to work the power. You've got to grow the power. Come on, it's no use just saying when Jesus comes back, well, here it is, the little bit of power you gave me. Come on, what happened? What happened in the parable? He got rebuked. Because he didn't use it. He said, you could have put it in the bank. You could have made some money from it. But now, come on, there's, you've got to understand the season I'm trying to, the season we're entering into is the breath of God. Come on, the breath of God. God's releasing a greater power, a greater anointing for us to change the world. Come on, it says in the rest of Ezekiel, it says that then once the breath of God came in, that a mighty army stood up on its feet. Come on. It came together. God's causing the breath of God to operate in us so the mighty army can come together so we can stand up on our feet. Come on and be who the Lord's called us to be. Let's stand this morning.